This is the Born Offside podcast. What you are about to listen to is in no way a true reflection of how you should be feeling. It's just what we are feeling. Football can be fun, but it can also be. A feita cedo de andaite. Your team not making at the end of the next round. Goodbye, Portugal. Goodbye, Portugal. Welcome, welcome to this dark and depressing podcast. Uh, when I woke up this morning, it was Chopin's funeral music uh, march that was echoing in my ears. I turned to see my children and wife scurrying around the house, getting ready for whatever it was that they were getting ready for, oblivious and uncaring as to what had just happened and what I had been through. Uh, as as, as I've, I've commonly made it known my wife cares very little about football and when she pretends to care it's even worse she also uh, doesn't care about you she, that's true as well absolutely so it's a very uh, very classic and a very interesting relationship that i go through some may wonder why i keep going with it but anyway that's another discussion to another sort of period of time there are reasons i just need to find them um so uh, it's all good but anyway, welcome, uh, welcome to episode 16 of the funeral march that has become off, born offside. Um, uh, we, Portugal, once marched on these green pastures with nothing but the World Cup in our sights. We now stare out of the window-seated plane seats, ogling down at those that remain and wish them all the very best and hope that you all lose soon as well and feel my pain, maybe break a few legs on the way. That'll be quite nice. So I will make sure that I will be turning off the World Cup match final one minute before it ends so that I don't know who wins. And, uh, and then that will be it for me. Uh, welcome to Born Offside. Two matches to cover today and two to preview. Uh, Dave, uh, uh, I think Mate, we're just going to get... Hang on a sec. Yeah. Oh, Go. <laughs> Ah, mate, you know what that was? That was the sound. What was that? Of, that was the sound of the goats being killed. Because <laughs> today we lost both our goats. We lost our little Leo goat and we lost our little Ronnie goat. And there's no more goats, mate. There is no more goats. It's it's about time that someone stood up and became the goat themselves, I guess. Mm. No, the goats goats are dead. Long live the goats. Ah, right. Okay. Nice. Bring them on. Um, now, you don't care, um, mate, do you? You're very upset and I really sad, don't. aren't you? I really don't. I think it was, it was all a bit strange as well, seeing, uh, seeing Ronaldo come out with his weird, his weird new beard. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't quite understand that. You know, he had a sort of goatee, but then he sort of left it. So, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It was just weird. I don't know what he was doing there. Uh, uh, but um, but I, I got to the pub and uh, was sitting with my mates and uh, uh, unfortunately, sadly, had uh, two people surrounding me who were obviously not Uruguayan. Um, and uh, one of them, because when he opened his mouth, he uh, was quite understandably from Ireland. 
and uh, which means he's definitely not Uruguayan. And the other one was, uh, uh, let's just say, yeah, he, he, was, he was an idiot. And I knew he wasn't from Uruguay as well. And what, what annoyed me about these people was that they had put bets, wages on Uruguay getting through and playing against France. And they'd done this way before the tournament had started and stuff and everything. And so this was an accumulator or whatever it is. They, I don't know what they do with their betting. I've never, I don't do betting. Uh, but I, I uh, Mate, yeah. don't but, say that one day we want this podcast to be sponsored by one of the betting companies. Oh, one, right. Okay. Yes. I'd love to start betting one of these days. We know about <laughs> betting and I do a fantastic Ray Winston impression in case anyone does want to sponsor us. You won't have to pay the real Ray Winston. Oh, I can do it <laughs> myself. Oi. Oh. Have a little bet. Oi. Anyway, move on. Sorry. Mustard. Mustard. Mustard, mate. That was, yeah, that was, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was very annoying. You know, they put this, this money on and like, uh, one of them had put 50 bucks on, on it being, so he was going to win like 400 bucks or something. And this other guy had put 20 quid on, I don't know, whatever. But anyway, they were all going for, for Uruguay to win. And, and they, they, you know, they, oh, they just knew, knew little about football and it was just annoying. But anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll get on with it. We've got two matches to cover. So we'll start with my, 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 obviously my, my country, Portugal versus Uruguay, the battle of the bastards. And, uh, it was, uh, it really, well, it, it didn't disappoint. Did it disappoint or did it not disappoint? Mate, mate I mean, the bastards won, but, uh, yeah, the, bastards, the bastards were going to win any, anyway. Uh, in terms of pure bastardry, it did disappoint. Uh, the first, mm. the first card, wasn't until I think Ronaldo got the first card when he went mental on the ref in the like 88th minute or something. Wasn't yeah, that the first yeah. card? I That's also right. Th- yes. I also thought that the uh, the referee lost all control of that game. Like it, players were plowing into each other, kicking each other, stamping on each other, and he was just letting everything go, which in a way made it more of a spectacle because it, like. And I also think the players realized, oh, all right, if we're going to play that way, then we'll just plow into each other um but in terms of pure bastardry it did it did disappoint mate there were there was no flying kicks there was no stamps there was no biting there was no there wasn't even that much diving uh yeah bastardry wise it was it was a big letdown football was good though yeah well uh, yeah, let's 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 get on to that then you know in in terms of uh, uh in terms of the match in itself uh, as you can probably tell i don't really want to spend much time on this uh, uh, but only I, I, I could I could talk until the cows come home and uh, one of those cows was on the pitch his name was Cavani um, <laughs> and and I thought he did an extreme because his face does look a little bit like well it's not quite human is it so you could probably liken it to a cow but anyway that's another subject completely um, great first goal I'm gonna give it his dues on that I mean he the way he plowed his face into the ball uh to um in inverted commas headed into the top corner uh now um uh, fantastic move I'll, I'll give him that spraying the ball from one uh, uh one side of the pitch over to the other side of the pitch in the first five minutes uh and then the, that horrible bastard suarez gets a very nice scrummy cross and cross into the back post and scores from it and uh but it was was it a goal with his face did it is this the first goal we've seen in the world cup scored with his face mate he faced it in if you watch mm-hmm. like, if you're the movement of his head he 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 realized he's gonna hit him in the face but he follows through with his face <laughs> like which for me took it to a new level because he's like gone okay this is gonna hit me in the face but i'm gonna make sure it goes in the goal uh <laughs> 
also, as you've kind of alluded to, it was, I think, the world's biggest one too. Like, yeah, Cavani yeah. picks the ball up, sprays it to the opposite side of the field to Suarez, who plays around with it for a bit, but then basically plays it back to Cavani, who's come galloping from nowhere, and then he's faced it in. And I know, like, I think in the microcosm, it kind of tells you everything about that game. Argent, um, sorry, Portugal had actually started quite brightly. Ronaldo had had a snapshot that he'd hit straight at the keeper. Uh, Uruguay hadn't done anything. Uh, and then their two star players, despite being at opposite ends of the pitch from each other, play a massive giant one-two. And then despite not being able to head the ball, Cavani faces it in with aggression. And like, Uruguay, I don't, they're not a nice team to watch. They're 30% of the possession. Uh, later on, when Cavani scored his second goal, they didn't even think about going forward again, mm. ever. Mm. But you can't help but admire their commitment to winning. They are, their team spirit is clearly incredible. I mean, any, any group of individuals that can get along and tolerate Luis Suarez should be applauded for their, <laughs> their commitment to the cause. Um, like, oh, I wouldn't even be able to look at him. Um, but, but you, I mean, they're not pretty, and I really don't hope they go any further than the next round. But they are, I mean, I think that, that defense, that defense is brutal. Jimenez, is. mate, I spent quite a lot of this game talking about what the Uruguayan players look like. Because, I mean, we were all quite uh, agreed that um, Suarez looks like a vampire. Cavani, to me, looks like a, a sexy pool boy. You know, like in porn movies, there's always a pool oh, boy who's going yeah, 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 yeah. to clean out your pool. Cavani looks like that. Like, you know, kind of nice looking but stupid. Like, okay. You're not going to go with the cow thing? Because I, I thought that was... Well, yeah, no, no. A pool, pool boy. boy. I think pool boy is insulting enough. Cow. Yeah. All right, then. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yep. Who else? Um, uh, who else? Um, oh, Jimenez, sorry. That was my Jimenez. favorite. Yep. Jimenez, I don't really know what he looks like, but Jimenez is almost unquestionably going to be fat when he stops playing football. He just mm-hmm. A la Diego Maradona? Like, yes. It, well, fatter, I'd say. Like oh. Eusebio a bit. But I mean, Eusebio yeah. didn't look like a fat lad when he was a thin lad. But Jimenez hmm. looks like, you know, like uh, Gaza. I mean, Gaza's really horribly thin now, but... Yeah, for the wrong reasons, though, right? Yeah, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Jimenez has to look forward to. It's going to be a fast. That's one. nice. Like, oh, like, well, um, like original Ronaldo. You know, like original Ronaldo was clearly struggling all the time to say in, stay in reasonable shape. And yes. Because he didn't like running and he did like eating. And he didn't <laughs> like training and he did like drinking. Uh, I don't know if Jimenez does all those things, but he just looks like a fat man squeezed into a thin man's body. And... Um, I hope he enjoys his retirement. It's a few years away yet, but I hope he enjoys it. I'm sure that he will. I'm sure that he'll do very well. Um, yeah, no, I thought, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're not the prettiest bunch, are they? Um, but, uh, uh, but, you know, credit to them. You know, they, they played well. They, they um, I, I, I think it was very much a kind of, uh, this, this game was, if, Portugal had been the ones who'd scored after the first five minutes. It would have been exactly the same, but on the other foot, apart from with one difference. And, and here's where I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to move to the side here. I'm not going to fight back too much because I think Uruguay probably deserved to go through uh, based on what they'd already done in, during this World Cup and, and on the depth uh, in squads 
uh, that they have compared to ours. Uh, but I, I felt like had it been the other way around, had we scored after five minutes and we'd sat back like Uruguay did and they just gave us possession, um, we would have given Uruguay possession. They would have kept attacking. And then once Uruguay had scored, they would have gone on to score the second. Whereas we, when we scored and drew, we didn't go on and score that second. And that is because we didn't believe that we could do it. We didn't, you, you could just kind of tell that once Pepe had scored that goal, I think a lot of them were sort of thinking, extra time and penalties, anyone? You know, that's what they were thinking, you know? And, uh, and I think, you know, uh, the majority of them kind of were just relieved to be able to be back on level terms because they tried so hard. And then when Uruguay came back and scored, it was, it just felt like, ah, uh, if, even if we do score, it's not deserved in, in a strange way, even though we had most of the possession and uh, uh, we were going for it. Uh, Uruguay, this is one of those horrible matches where, you, you know, a la Mourinho, Mourinho would come in and say, despite the fact that we had 30% possession, we controlled the game. You know, we controlled the way that the, the outcome of the game came. So, um, so you know, uh, for that, uh, uh, it has to be said that they, they probably, um, I think that they deserved it. Um, but yeah, look, just a, a, very, a very quick one on, on, their, on their second goal. Um, after Pepe scored his, uh, his, his header in there, which I thought was, was a very good, uh, uh, good header, obviously. It was, uh, you know, it was the first goal that, um, uh, that Uruguay had conceded since, since August of last year. Uh, so it was nice to, to, to get on the score sheet. Um, some people say that Pepe was at fault for Cavani's goal. Um, for going in for that header that was high up in the sky. But I think, uh, and, and here is one thing that I am going to just really, really be annoyed about. Uh, um, it, was, it was, you know, Suarez. <laughs> the amount of times he went down, the amount of times he went down clutching his face or clutching his head when there was never any contact whatsoever to his head at any point in time. You got this. You got these this, this colossal defend these colossal defenders at the back who are getting smacked about, smacked in the head, smacked in the face, smacked all over the place. They're just getting back up and working and and, and fighting for the team. And you have got Suarez, who unfortunately he's very very good at doing this, getting his body in between the ball and the player. Uh, you know, you could tell every single time he went for a, you know to jump for a high ball, he was initially looking at where the the, the opposition player was coming from. And then he'd get in between the ball and the player and then go down on the ground. Oh, my goodness. It was. And I'm going to give a bit of credit here to the to the Mexican referee, because towards the end, especially in the last 30, 40 minutes, I don't know how many times Suarez went down. He just never, uh, never, never blew for it. You know, he never gave him a free kick at all. You know, but he, was that, seeming, he seemed to me to be not blowing for anything because the. The tackle on Quaresma at the end of the game that Ronaldo got was a really bad decision. It was a foul. Like, uh, I can't remember. It was the Uruguayan fullback and uh, Quaresma squares him up and then jinx it past him and he just kicks him. And I think the Uruguayan player knows it's a foul. And the ref is like, I think the ref for 20 minutes ago had given up blowing the whistle. Like, he just (laughs) wasn't bothering anymore. And I know Ronaldo was irresponsible. And I know if... Portugal had managed to equalise in the last minute, Ronaldo would have missed the quarterfinal as a result of that yellow card. But I understood him completely because it was a ridiculously 
poor decision at that moment in the game. Uh, and I thought the referee in, on the whole just looked like a scared little, I mean, we've been talking about goats, but he looked like a scared little lamb out there with all the <laughs> bigger players than him. Uh, the, per- the, the people I were watching the game with thought that he very much looked like Shia LaBeouf before Shia LaBeouf got all hairy. Uh, and every time I complained that he wasn't making a good decision, they would go, it's because he's not a real referee. He's acting. It's Shia LaBeouf. He's doing research for his role. And it might as well have been because he was that bad. And, uh, uh, um, he... Sorry, mate. One thing I want to talk yeah, about. One thing I want to talk about is um, I thought uh, Ronaldo uh, set an excellent example uh, to to the rest of the Portugal team. You saw him in the changing room, or sorry, in the tunnel as they came out of the changing room, like geeing them all up. And uh, you know, when they conceded the second Cavani goal, lovely finish, by the way, lovely finish. Mm. Uh, you could see Ronaldo just instantly turned to them and said, "You know, don't put your heads down. Get on with it." Yep. Uh, and then he's getting a lot of credit, and I'm seeing it all over the place, for the moment that he escorted Cavani <laughs> off the pitch. And people are saying, what? Wow, that you can see the, the tender side of Ronaldo, the sportsmanship. No, Ronaldo escorted Cavani off of the pitch because Ronaldo realized that's the quickest way to get that cheating, diving Uruguayan bastard off the pitch as soon as possible. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think that it was an unbelievable moment. Everybody in the pub as well was like, you know, applauding, like, well done, well done. I just, I just looked at it around. I thought, am I just the only person who's seen this here? You know, there is no fucking way that Ronaldo is going to assist Cavani to get off the pitch in a in a gesture of brotherly love. You know, there is just. There is absolutely no way because otherwise he would have kept going with him in the direction that that yeah. he was walking in as well because he was the walking. Moment, the, the, the moment Cavani's foot touches the grass beyond the white line, Ronaldo sprints back. Like he doesn't sprints wait for the yeah, to yeah. get there. He doesn't wait for <laughs> the therapist to get there. He's just like, okay, he's off. I'm going. Like it was 100% a calculated move to get the guy off the pitch as soon as he possibly could. And Absolutely. Like, Cavani couldn't resist it because it appeared to be a, a brotherly love thing. So you could, Cavani's probably stood there going, shit, seen right through this. I was going to roll around for a good five minutes. <laughs> Bloody hell, Ronaldo, you clever bastard. And then Ronaldo's He's... thinking, get off, get off, get off, get off. Okay, I'm off. And then everyone in the crowd is cra- clapping. I mean, it seems like he can do no harm, but it's pretty darn obvious what he was doing there. He was just trying to get him off. And the, the obvious thing is because of the way he changed direction because he was going yep. for the sideline and then he turned around and went for the uh, uh, for the touchline because he knew that was going to be faster. And like it was, it was also quite awkward because Ronaldo couldn't be looking like he was pushing him off. So he had to also slow himself down because I'm sure Ronaldo inside himself was thinking, I should just pick this guy up. You know, I should just pick him up and then just It must have been tempting when he got close to the line to just push him. <laughs> just, <laughs> there you go. Off you go. See ya. Bye-bye. Can you, foul, can you foul a player if he's off the pitch? Does that count? I think he probably does, doesn't it? It like, does. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And then it gets given as a free kick right on the edge. Uh, yeah, you, you can. It's, it's very unusual that it happens, actually. Uh, but it can do. Like, for example, the, the time that, that famously Bale went off the pitch against, Real Madrid, against Barcelona, could, that could have been a foul if, you know, he'd gone off the pitch practically by, you know, three or four yards. Right, yes. So that, that, that would have been a foul, a free kick. But anyway, it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, look, you know, good, uh, goodbye, Portugal. Uh, and, and to be honest, it was, you know, my, my, my general true, true, true feeling is that 
as much as I love Portugal and not, as much as I am extremely sad, I think this, it, it, this Portuguese side has become very different to the side that we're accustomed to in the past sort of 10 to 15 years or in that 10 to 15 year gap. This last two to five, four or five years, they've become much stronger, much more sort of resilient defensively and, and, and they think def defensive first and then they move forward. And it's never quite been the way that Portugal have done it. And then they went and won the Euros with it. So we're, as a nation, it's, it, we've been a bit confused, but we've won, you know, so we've, we've, we have adored it and loved it and, uh, and, and thought that it was very good. And I think Fernando Sanchez is a great, a, a great coach as well and a great manager, I'm pretty sure. But, um, but I think, you know, the, and, and very often these are the teams that win World Cups. You know, we, we've seen it through the ages, through the times. Um, but it was almost too soon for Portugal and Uruguay to play each other because we were so similar. And I think that if we'd gone through, uh, to be honest, I, 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 you know, there would almost be no chance that we'd be able to, to get further uh, in the rounds. There's that belief, you know, there's that hope, you know, that you try and you really want to be able to. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I'm going to be realistic uh, here and I'm, I'm, I'm sad, like I said, but also the, the realism of it all brings me down to earth a little bit faster, I think, than it, than it would do had we been playing extremely well and, uh, and had we, you know, come up against a team like Uruguay and lost uh, in the way that we did. Um, but I think, I think, to be honest, we, we, des we deserve to go out uh, uh, on the whole. So I'm not actually that sad in that sense. And I think it's uh, sad, sad for a few individualistic reasons. You know, Ronaldo obviously wanting to do well uh, uh, in this World Cup. You know, will he get another World Cup? Uh, like, like you said, he might come on as a sweeper, Ramos style, but uh, I don't think so. I think he'll probably he'll probably announce his retirement after this, I reckon. But uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe another on his ego. Yeah, maybe another Euros. Maybe another Euros if he feels okay for it. He might actually come out and just say, "Oh, it depends how I feel in two years' time," you know. And uh, if my body is still good for it, and if I'm better than some of the other Portuguese players that are out there, you know, and, the, and if the manager picks me, then, you know, I'll play. Um, although he'll never actually say that, will he? Because uh, he's too no, cocky for not. that. Probably yeah. not. Will he, be, will he be older or younger at the next World Cup than Rafa, Big Daddy Rafa Marquez is now? <laughs> uh, he'll be younger by two years. He'll be 37. Rafa Marquez is 39. So Mate, Then I fully expect to see him in Qatar. <laughs> Hey, and it's actually only three and a half years because Qatar's in winter, our winter. Boom. So there you go. We should probably move on. Yes, absolutely. Let's move on. I think we've done enough of that. Thank you very much. Kindly. Uh, uh, we'll take a short break and we'll come back for part two, uh, which was actually uh, the match that really we should have been uh, uh, focusing on more and would have done in this podcast had Portugal not been my team. So uh, uh, I hope you all understand that. I'm sure you do. So just a moment. Back for part two. I don't care who's younger. I don't care who is older. Ronaldo will be there. Ronaldo will be there. And welcome back, part two of 
Born Offside. Here we go, the podcast that we've been running uh, for the last uh, 15, 16 days now, and uh, or maybe even a little bit longer. Um, and we are into what was actually the first match of the, the, the last 16. And what a match it was, France versus Argentina. Dave, the arrival mm. of Killian, could it be? Mate, I title this segment of the podcast. You want to hear it? You want you want to what? Sorry, say again. I've got. I'm sorry. I've got a title. I've. This is a. You know, normally we just say part one, part two, part three. But I've got an actual title for this part of the podcast. Do oh, you want to hear it? Okay. Hear it? Yeah. No, I do. Yeah. Don't cry for three Argentina. Oh, look at that! It's pretty That's good, huh? Thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, don't, don't cry, cry for three, three Argentina. It fits, mate. It scans. It's beautiful, mate. It um, really does. Before we go on to talk about uh, Killian and Killian in the name of Mbappe, um, <laughs> I want to—I thought about that one too. Uh, I want to let you know, and I'm wondering if you know this or not, but it is the first ever World Cup four-three. What? There has never been a match at the World Cup that has finished 4-3, at, at least within 90 minutes. There are some that have gone to extra time and then eventually been 4 But like within okay. 90 minutes, there's never been a 4-3 before. First ever 4-3. Wow. No way, really? Yeah, oh. genuinely. Now, that is, that is a big surprise, actually, because 4-3s are not exactly totally unheard of or totally unusual. Uh, uh, so that's, uh, that's a, wow, crazy. That's really yeah. good. Four three. You've done your homework there on that one. I have. Right. Uh, so yeah, mate. Mbappe. Uh, mm, mm, Mbappe. 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 You got it here first. Mbappe. Yeah, yeah. Killian in the name. Mbappe. Kim Kim. Because it's Killian. Yeah, so, yeah, it works. Killian. Works. Killian That's Mbappe. a joke, joke yeah. for our three Korean listeners there. Um, hey. Mate, he's very, very, very. Very fast. He is, isn't he? I think, I think Mbappe is the noise he makes as he goes past you. Mbappe. Like, it's just gone. Mbappe. <laughs> Was it like a, almost like a helicopter? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mate, there was that point where he was running at Mascherano, where at the, for the first time in my entire life, I felt genuinely sorry for Javier Mascherano. <laughs> It's so true. And uh, look, I mean, that, uh, I, I think he proved and showed everybody, you know, the, with, with that first goal, uh, you know, just how he, uh, he managed to get past everybody. So it was really, oh, Mascherano has, has, has uh, decided to retire now, hasn't he, from international football. Maybe that was as, as a result of what happened with, with Umbap. So um, uh, hold on just one second, please, if you don't mind. We've just got to take a quick break here. Something's wrong with my stomach. Hang on. Ugh. Thank you very much. Uh, that was one hundred percent uncalled for, uncalled but necessary. For. But necessary. You know, sometimes these things. Anyway, sorry about that. Thank you. Shoot. Uh, can I just say that that is in no way any kind of commentary on either of our parts on the quality of Kylian Mbappe, who I think had a very fine match, and I think in general France were quite a lot better than Argentina. Like. Mm. Uh, and I had a, a French friend who I was um, texting through the game 
And of course, him being French, he was eternally worried about the fact that they were going to lose. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I text him, say, don't worry, you'll be fine. You'll kill them. You're way better than they are. And uh, surely enough, they went, they went one nil up. And then uh, Di Maria hit, mate, what a go- mate, what a World Cup for water goals. Just, <sighs> just glorious goals everywhere. You know, I, I thought we were going to, you know, I thought Ronaldo's goal for what it was, for the circumstances, for the way it was taken, for, you know, was going to be up there. But I, I've seen many more which have been much, much better. And we've had a couple in the, just this game alone. Uh, um, now, I think Angel of the Mary doesn't know that he's going to score such a screamer because he hits it. And it just seems to me like he's. I don't know, maybe it's something about his celebration. The way he goes off and celebrates, uh, always, he, he always celebrates like he's, he's found it, whatever it is that he's been looking for for the whole of his life. He's found it, all right? Mm-hmm. Be it gold, be it his, his penis, be it money, I don't know, whatever it is. He's, he's found it. You know, he's like, I found it, I found it, it's here, I found it, finally, I can have children. He always uh, strikes yeah. me as too thin to be an international quality footballer. That's also very, very true as well. Skinny, Di Maria. Like, yeah. I can't quite believe he managed to kick the ball that far. He doesn't look strong enough to do it. But he it's did. Very true. He kicked the ball very far. He uh, very far and very, very hard with a, into the goal. With a lot of, there was a lot of spin on there. It takes, uh, does it take something special to beat Lloris? Nah, not these days. It seems Oi, quite easy. Watch but anyway. Careful. Oh, careful. Sorry. You leave Hugo alone. He's a quality <laughs> and a lovely individual. I will say this, though. Di Maria had yeah. more space than a very rich person in their favorite mansion. Like he, he had so much space to hit that shot because clearly the France players were like, where's Messi? Where's Messi? Where's Messi? All of us, where's Messi? Oh shit. We gave Di Maria four acres. Oh, oh no. Oh, what shall we do? Oh, he's got. Uh, oh, well. Where's Mbappe? What? Where's Mbappe? You got it. Your name doesn't even sound fresh, but it's okay. It's close enough. Um, it's uh, uh, it was it was a worldie. It really was a worldie. And and what a yeah, what a strike it, it, it brought them back into a game that they probably didn't deserve to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and anyway, we were it was one all at the break, and uh, it was a bit like you know what's going to happen for the rest of this uh, for the rest of this match. You know, it, could it be tight? Could it be? You know, we, we just don't know. But um. But then the blimmin' Argies only went 2-1 up, didn't they? So, now Messi does a bit of a, a deflected shot off uh, Machado. Machado, who to me... Machado, sorry, very, yeah. I mean, I know I like to say this player looks like... But th- Machado looks to me like um, the, the local convenience store owner who sits out on the chair and barks at kids to get out of the road. <laughs> I mean, he looks at least 43 to me. He's no. Am I the only one who sits there going, "That's not a football player. That's an aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that's an aggressive neighbourhood-based man." Like, and yes. Anyway, but he scored a World Cup goal today. He scored a World Cup goal today. He didn't know much about it. In the same way that Kane didn't really know much about his, it was they were both very similar. I thought, and uh, but um, uh, but I think I think everybody in the world was a bit shocked and surprised about that. And then I don't I'm not sure anyone really knew what to expect other than a French onslaught. And then came Pavard. Uh, mate, now, the most French-looking man oh, that has ever lived. My God, he looked French. He like, did look very French. 
it slightly did. skinny with a curly brown hair. You should imagine the, mean, the moment he gets off of the pitch, he puts on a beret, grabs some garlic and starts doing mime. Like he's the most <laughs> French looking man I have ever seen. My God, he looks French. And he played a great game. He played a great game. He's, uh, you know, and this, this little French, well, he needed a baguette in the other hand as well, didn't he? So uh, that, that I think would have sort of finished it off uh, with a photo of him with the Eiffel Tower in the background. But uh, I, I think he played, he played a, a pretty good solid game. Uh, wasn't this his, but this is his first ever goal? I believe cool. it's his first ever professional goal. I think, I think he's yeah. not even scored a goal in club football. I had no, to look up where he not. played because I was like, where does he play? And Who's he? He plays for Stuttgart. Of all places in the world to play. Okay, that's fair enough. So Pavard has probably had uh, more Google hits than ever before. And, oh, his Twitter, uh, his Twitter's uh, gone right up. I bet his Twitter uh, doubled today. <laughs> and like you said, I mean, you just have to have one look at that hair and you go, oh, he's, he's, he's French. Yeah, he's, he's got to be, you know, and that's, uh, that's very good. How do you know he hasn't opened his mouth up? No, 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 no he's, he's French. Nah, you don't even need to. In fact, in fact, it's better if he doesn't. Just, yeah, mate, don't, don't do it. Uh, but he's, he's very young, you know, and uh, he's uh, obviously burst onto this scene and uh, what a goal. What a Beautiful goal. I mean, it was obviously very, very similar to um, uh, Nacho's for Spain against Portugal. Similar angle, similar uh, uh, distance, but a bit further out and higher uh, up into the corner of the net as well. And cleaner, a cleaner strike, I thought. And uh, I thought it was, it it, it bettered it. He um, out-Nacho'd Nacho. He did out Nacho Nacho. He really did. And then his, his celebration was reminiscent of the Tardellis, wasn't it? It was, uh, you know, he just went off in a, in a bit of a craze. Uh, you know, I thought that was, and I love that. I, I loved watching, watching that, you know, a good celebration after a good goal like that is, uh, it just tops it, doesn't it? So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but then the Mbap show. It was the Umbach show from then on was really, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was, it was time to, I mean, as if he hadn't already announced himself with such a wonderful run in that first half and, and also tormenting the, the Argentine defence you know, th- throughout. Uh, Wait, but, it, was, uh, it was very uh, funny, Argentina's response at halftime. They'd clearly gone, right, Marcus Rojo cannot live with Mbappe. Sorry, Marcus, you've got us here. We love you but you can't live with this guy's pace. We're going to bring on a different centre-back. And then they suddenly realise that their alternative centre-back is Fazio, who's even slower. It was just ridiculous. And he almost scored an own goal within, you know, it was just, what was he doing? I mean, that's the the Fazio that played for Tottenham, not the Fazio that's been playing for Roma, who's actually quite good. But that was the Fazio that used to play for my team, who was rubbish. Oh dear. And I mean, it was, he was so, so lucky to get away with that one. Uh, He didn't even say, sorry to any of his teammates for it as well. He just kind of, you know, it's all right, you know. <laughs> it was terrible. It really was terrible. So. What else was terrible was Armani's keeping, I thought, for, for Mbappe's first goal. Mbappe yes. does very well to create the space and, and good on him. And he strikes the ball into what is a difficult area for a keeper, but mm. still should save it. And I think he should have saved it with his, with his foot. Like he should well, have just stuck De Gea would have. Yes, De Gea, De Gea would have. Absolutely. And I think many good goalkeepers in the world, what <sighs> problem is you, you have to make a decision. Is it going to be your hand or is it going to be your foot? Make up your mind when, when the shot comes in. Uh, don't 
think I'm going to put my foot and my hand there and hope that one of them gets it because then what ends up happening is what happened to him. And I think that's exactly what happened in his mind. He just got, he sort of crossed lines a little bit and there was a little bit of a spark in his brain. He just went, went, oh, damn. I didn't know which one I was going to, you know, save it with. And then it went sort of half in between the two. So, um, yeah, no, that was, he, he was definitely, I think it was definitely an error. I think he was definitely at fault. And, uh, and I think he, he uh, yeah, but, uh, but, you know, great for, for Mbappe to, to, to score that goal. You know, if anyone needed to score that goal, I think it was him. Like you said, made the space beautifully and then just knocked it in. And then with his weaker left foot, you know, slammed it, slammed it down nice and low. Um, yeah, no, very good. Um, but yeah, and then finally, uh, the 4-2, just to polish it all off. Uh, and, a, and a great team goal. A great it was. Goal. It was. Is that's the kind of goal that when Scott, France score a goal like that, that's when you get scared, because mm. that was neat, precise, interchanging build up from front to back at pace. You know, one touch finish from Mbappe. Uh, terrible, terrible setup play by Giroud because everything Giroud does is terrible. I hate Giroud. <laughs> but the rest of the team played. I mean, Giroud was probably trying to shoot and it's ended up going over there. But the rest of the France team, and I thought, mate, in this game. Pogba, Pogba was very, very good. He, mm. he, was, he played the simple pass. He was physical, difficult to shake off the ball. Uh, I, I, you know, Pogba is a player who gets criticised a lot. And, and I've watched games where I thought he's been rubbish, but I thought he was very, very good. And I think him and Conte in the middle is this combination of pace and power and occasional a little bit of flair that's going to be very difficult to go up against mate they've mm. they've scored four goals today and Antoine Griezmann hasn't played all that well that that's very true you're right Antoine Griezmann hasn't played that well at all so it's 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 kind of scary to think you know what's going to come from and I think this is probably justifiably the first time that we can possibly say this is the team to beat uh, because uh, how weird is that, that we've come this far in the tournament and usually by this, by, by this point in time, we've, oh, Germany, Germany, definitely the team, or Brazil, Brazil, definitely the team, they're playing the best football, they you know, but we haven't been able to say that about any of the teams. And, 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 but I think France have probably, you know, made, made a good claim for it now with this, uh, uh, with this performance and results. I think they could, very easily be the ones now to beat if you know what I mean it's um, a very it's a very tasty game the next one Uruguay versus France especially if Cavani is fit although mm. I'm I'd, from the way he limped off I'd say it'd be very difficult for him to be fit for that game but I mean if he is and even if he isn't like Uruguay are not going to do what Argentina did today and kind of invite France to attack Uruguay are not Uruguay will defend the edge of their 18-yard box and Mbappe is not going to have that kind of space. I mean, Pogba is really going to find himself in a battle. Uh, they're, not going mm. to score, they're not going to score goals from corners, are they? I mean, I've said that no. now. They'll, they'll get three from corners like Zidane did against Brazil. But I think, you know, we saw Uruguay concede a goal today from corners. So I think not only is that the first goal that they'll concede, but I think it's probably the last goal they'll concede from a corner because I just don't see them so in doing that, it'll be a battle. It re- and I, may, I really hope that France get through that game because France try and play football uh, when, when they disobey Deschamps and, and go and try and play football. And, <laughs> and I think Uruguay don't ever really. No. No, they don't. And they, they, they sit back 
uh, and and they defend very very well. And uh, look, we obviously know it. Those two central defenders are in there to 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 defend, and I think even when they burst forward or they counter forward, they still have the nuance to be able to stay back. So yeah, you're right. I, I hope they do get past it. And even if they do get past it, you know, they'd have the likes of Brazil in the semis as well. This World Cup has been grueling uh, for the teams in, uh, and will be grueling for the teams in the top half uh, uh, of the table. But um, I think a lot will depend on on, on Cavani. But, um, but at the same time, like you said, they've got a great team as well. So it is a difficult one to call. All right. Okay, mate. Anything else on France, or shall we be moving on to part three? Let's move uh, on to part three and preview the rest of our weekend, mate. There's still half a weekend to go. I know you're sad, but mate, there's a World Cup on. There's more coming. It is. It is. There's more coming. So part three, we'll preview Spain versus Russia and Croatia versus Ericsson. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mbop Badubadop. Mbop Badubadop. Mbop. Badu Badop. Badu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to part three. And Spain versus Russia and Croatia versus Ericsson. Uh, what have we got? Uh, what have we got on here? What, uh, what, what do we reckon on, on, on this? Mate, one? so Spain, Russia. Uh, obviously, this is perhaps. The most fancy team left in now that the Germans are out. Okay, France did well today. But Spain are, are very much a fancy team uh, up against um, the hosts. And mm. uh, tomorrow, I suggest, is the day we'll find out whether or not Putin is bothered. Because that's yeah. the only way I can see Russia getting past Spain is if Putin's bribed someone, uh, poisoned someone, doped someone, or um, <laughs> threatened someone with a, with a naked horseback riding mm. the naked horseback riding would definitely be uh be, be something that would you know uh, yeah I, I could quite easily see it it's uh it's a bit scary isn't it really what uh what, what putin uh, yes putin yes. is scary for sure i mean the absolutely only, yeah only reason i'm um making fun of him now is because i think i'm too insignificant and it's very unlikely that he'll listen to this podcast but if i think he did <laughs> i would have said he's a wonderful leader <laughs> and leading by example what a fantastic uh, individual that uh, that person is um yes it's uh oh, <coughs> excuse me it's it's one of those uh, one of those games it's very very interesting i think because you know when you when you get a team like russia they've got momentum they've got everything going for them uh you know they've got sputnik uh and uh you know they you think that you know they should have something about them to be able to get past almost anyone right i mean this the 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 probabilities, you know, you look at Korea uh, uh, in 2002. Okay, uh, I was going to go South Africa is not a very good example, actually, on that one. But, like, the hosts do tend to have this this thing, you know, where with the with the buzz of the nation, or they, they pick up they pick up this buzz, you know, and everybody's behind them, and the whole country's behind them. That some, something extra seems to to to, to happen. What what are the chances of a, of of what really would be an upset? Uh, for Russia to beat Spain here? Oh, it would be colossal, um, purely because uh, they quite clearly don't have players who are good enough, uh, and Spain have very good players. And, and with football being played by players on a field, 
uh, I should imagine that the team with the better players, which is Spain, shall beat the team with the worst players, which is quite clearly Russia. So I, in conclusion, I think it comes down to players and the fact that Spain have a lot of better players. Uh, very interesting analogy. Very, yeah, please go on. Sorry. <laughs> um, but should other things like poison or doping come into it, then, then Russia stand a chance. Uh, oh, all right, then. Cool. So Russia stand a very good, cha- very good chance then, I think, of uh, being able to make it through the next round. Uh, I know. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'll be rooting for Russia. I always like the hosts to go far, even when they are Putin's team. Uh, I think it's it's better for the tournament when they go further. I have no love for Spain, in in particular, for no love at all for Sergio Ramos, Diego Costa. Um, I I would feel sorry for old Papa Iniesta. Uh, I no. He's such a nice man. Um, he's got his lucrative deal out to Japan. Leave him alone now. And he's got, doesn't he, isn't he going, hasn't he said that once he retires from football altogether, he's going back to run his dad's wine business? Isn't yeah. it? Oh, that's nice. Isn't he, isn't he just a nice, I imagine Iniesta to be a very nice man. Yes. Like the, yes you know, the sure. kind of man who like, when he comes, hey, Andres is here. Ah, but Aww. I don't, but, I don't, but, the kind of man that you always want to come out for a drink, but is always too busy to do something with you at the same time, you know, <laughs> but still a nice man. Indeed. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think he is. And uh, I've never had uh, too many, too many bones to pick against, uh, against him, but then you've got the likes of, of, yeah, absolutely. Diego Costa and, uh, uh, and um, I was going to say Salgado. Do you remember him? Oh my goodness, uh, Michel Salgado uh, and Sergio Ramos and and all because uh, there are quite a few of uh, of the other ones in there uh, as well. Although I do like uh, a bit of disco in the isco, you know, and uh, so that's uh, he, he's he's all right. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, there really isn't much chance of it happening, is it? Here, I think Spain two nil, maybe three nil. Maybe three, one, two. Yeah, maybe like maybe one. You know, football matches um, hinge greatly on on who scores the first goal. Uh, I think Russia have been better than we thought. Uh, Golovin, Golovin, mm-hmm. um, who apparently is um, Goblin. Goblin. Let's call him Goblin. Uh, yeah. Which is which is apt, bearing in mind that he has apparently just signed an agreement with Chelsea. Uh, where he goes from oh. being an interesting player who I was quite curious about to a complete and utter scumbag, um, <laughs> which is very unfortunate for him. All uh, just by signing his name on that piece of paper. On a piece of paper, yeah. Oh, amazing. It's amazing yeah. how these things happened. Um, and talking of scumbags what, who play for Chelsea, uh, Diego Costa, is, uh, is he on four or three goals for the tournament? Three, I believe. Three. So yeah. with Ronaldo out, I think he's, I think he's uh, Harold Edward Kane's major golden boot opposition. Uh, mm. And so I think he'll be trying to pick up, fill his boots a little bit here. And we all know that Diego Costa doesn't play to the same rhythm as the rest of the Spanish team, i.e. he doesn't pass and he shoots. Um, so I Very think true. it depends a bit on, on how he plays. Uh, there's been talk inside Spain, I believe, that uh, David Silva might be dropped for this game. Mm. Um, which uh, in favour of Asensio, who's a bit more direct. Um, oh, and then, he's, got more, he's got more hair as well. So, yeah. Yes, curious yeah. that. Diego, mm. uh, David Silva used to have a lot of hair, didn't he? What, what was up with that? Did, yeah. we, we, we didn't cover that at the time, but I'm sure we would have done a good 40 minutes on Wh- what wispy. happened to David Silva. Yes, it was wispy. and yeah. No, it's not there. Uh, it's gone. Yeah. Um, mate, and another kind of myth I want to dispel uh, is... Um, 
Lucas Vasquez. I think, did we do this already on this podcast? I'm on a mission to let everyone know that Lucas Vasquez is not a young player. Everyone keeps saying, oh, they've got, you know, Spain have got the youth coming through, like Asensio and Vasquez. Vasquez is not young. He's 26. It's not yeah. young. <laughs> He's, it, it, how weird is it with that one? Because I think he came in through the youth ranks of, of Real Madrid. That's why everybody thinks that he's young. There's, there's uh, lots but, of players uh, like that. The Loftus-Cheek is the same thing. Everyone thinks that Loftus-Cheek is this new, young, up-and-coming player. He's 24. Loftus-Cheek is uh, mm. three years older than Deli Ali. Like, it's, yeah. Mm, it's, yeah. But it's because they've been hanging around in the youth system for ages that we think that they're younger than they are. Uh, just an interesting one on Lucas Vasquez, uh, by the way, is, uh, do you know that his, first of all, his last name is Iglesias? Oh, oh uh, like, uh-huh. uh, like Julio and Enrique? That's the one, yeah. And, uh, and just, just to let you know, by the way, it's actually, uh, uh, you're wrong about the, him being 26. Uh, he's 27 as of today. Happy, so happy birthday. Happy Lucas birthday, Vasquez. Lucas Vasquez. Right, well, mate. We'll see you later down the pub, mate, for one. All right. Hey. Okay, You've got to play football tomorrow, aren't you? All right. <laughs> if you get to the team. But anyway. Uh, It'll come off. The there you go. Have a little bit of that. It's your birthday, mate. This go is, on. This is, well, no, not tomorrow, is it? No, it's today. <laughs> but it's today. All oh, right. It's Sunday where you are, isn't it? Sorry, I get these time zones mixed up. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah so, so it's not his birthday yet where you are. He's still 26. So you were right. Sorry about that. Well, it's, it's important because I guess Fernando, Fernando Hierro looks like the kind of coach who could be swayed by that argument. Uh, so I've picked the team and uh, this is the team. And then Vasco's going, uh, 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 Mr. Hierro, it's, uh, it's my birthday. It's your birthday. Is it? All right, David Silva, you're out. You're out. It's his birthday. He's in. He's in. But, Scratch uh, his name out quickly. But, but Mr. Hierro, this is, this is the World Cup. It's uh, the last 16. It's, we have the expectations that it's his birthday, David. It's his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah i'm sorry i just said a bit <laughs> it's uh i think uh, yeah it, it's he does seem like the kind of coach who might be able to do that isn't it just sort of shunt him away just kind of just step to one side please okay? <laughs> step to one side here david silver's like it's my birthday too is it is it really david <laughs> is it, is <laughs> i don't think it is <laughs> no senor all right mate i think we should move on because we're all pretty confident that spain Spain are going to win unless there's some shifty absolutely no i think i think it 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 definitely will happen Ah, stranger things have happened obviously in 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 worlds of of football and football matches but i think so i think it's pretty nailed on on that one and the other game of course is croatia versus ericsson uh i think i think we're pretty gonna be I think the whole world will be saying that they're nailed on for this as well, really, aren't they? It's uh, it's not something that I think uh, is is too much in question. We've got uh, um, what is, you know, arguably the best central midfield pairing uh, of that the, the, the World Cup has seen so far. Although uh, you mentioned Pogba and uh, Kante coming into it a little bit. But so far, if you only consider the group stages uh, that have played so far, Rakitic and Modric have, have really showed up, haven't they? Oh, yeah, mate, without, without doubt. I think um, if um, Jimenez and Godin are the central defensive partnership of the tournament, um, Rakitic and Modric are definitely the central midfield partnership of this tournament. Uh, and moreover than that, mate, we say it's um, Croatia versus Ericsson, but... 
Denmark and Ericsson haven't really turned up at this World Cup. They were extremely lucky to beat Peru. Um, they were then quite lucky not to lose to Australia, uh, although Ericsson did score a lovely goal in that game, but not much after that. And then um, they played out a ball-all draw with France, who, who weren't really concerned about it. Croatia have been organised, neat, precise, very strong team. Lovren uh, at the back with Avida, who looks solid. And then uh, in the centre of midfield, obviously Rakitic and Modric, and then Mandzukic up front. I, I can think Croatia might win this 3-0. Yeah, it does seem like one of the most sort of lopsided matches of the uh, of this stage, uh, uh, and one of the easiest to kind of call when you think of uh, all the other matches that we've uh, got in store. Uh, but I think um, uh, you know, in in terms of calling a definite winner, this match is probably the one where we'd be able to definitely say that Croatia would go through. Again, stranger things have happened, you know, where Denmark suddenly could pull some kind of magic, you know, rabbit out of a bag, out of a hat, sorry. They put it out of a bag as well, but that's a bit sadistic. It's not very, it's not very nice to pull, you know. No, anyway. rabbits prefer bags to hats. They, hats do they? I can't uh, I don't know. Well, whichever one it does come out of, it better be a pretty downright smart rabbit. Surprise! <laughs> oh my Guess God, what that's I can a hell talk. of a rabbit. Yeah. yeah. And, I can uh, yeah. score goals with my huge rabbit foot. Check, check this out. All the crap players are all going, oh my God. Am I just. There's a giant mm. rabbit on the pitch. What the <laughs> Where do we live? Is Putin involved? Is Putin involved? Come on, who did this? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's one of the experiments gone wrong. Is this rampaging man rabbit running around <laughs> one of the games? But unless they can bring the Loudrup brothers back in, I think, you know, the, the rabbit is really their best choice. And, yes. uh, and, and their only chance of being able to get anything at all past Croatia. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think 3-0 is a really solid call. Uh, I'm going to go with you on that one. I think 3-0, pretty solid. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Denmark and all, all Danish supporters out there, but uh, it's just, you, you, you just haven't, you haven't, you didn't, you came to the party without a bottle of wine. All right. And, you, you, you know, everybody else bought something. He brought the little, you know, fish sticks and, you know, him over there. He bought little French fries and stuff and everything. You brought nothing. And right? we Which tolerated was... you. We tolerated you for a bit. And we were like, oh, we this did. wanker yeah. never brings anything to the bloody party. But now it's time to leave. And, and we know how much money you've got. All right, yes. Denmark, you're rich. All right. You can bring wine. All right. But again, so you, you either bring that. some wine or a giant rabbit or you go home. That's it. Those are the conditions. Which one? Good call. All right, I think I think we're going to leave it there. Otherwise, I'm going to have a <coughs> I'm going to have a hemorrhage. Um, and that's not a sandwich, by the way. Um, I think it'd be interesting to make a sandwich called a hemorrhage. Hey, I'm this. sure there is someone somewhere. Like, there's some creative named sandwiches out there. Oh uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Right, mate. Uh, I'm off to I'm off to yeah. Google sandwich names. Hey, uh, sounds like a sounds like a blast. And we'll be here tomorrow to uh, to cover. Uh, the the matches to cover Spain versus Russia, uh, which I think will be quite an interesting interesting match actually, and Croatia versus Denmark, and of course also to preview uh, uh, the uh, the other ones uh, Brazil versus Mexico, which I think will be a fantastic match. Andale, andale. And, and then the not so fantastic and slightly flat Belgium versus Japan. Well, that come be, uh, on, you samurai! Yeah, yeah chop them up.
Uh, so, sorry. Uh, chop up those waffles. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Mate, I think we've got a headline now. If Japan beat, beat Belgium, Samurai chop up the waffles. <laughs> you beauty. All right, until next time, from me, Jason, and from... Me. Bye. Oh, dear. Uh, all right, for you. Go on, get at it. See you all later. Three.